Larry Bird's not walking through that door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. A kick. It is. Good. Good. To beat the man, you gotta beat the man. The two-one swung line drive left field. One run is in. Here comes Green. Here's the run of the play. He is safe. Green run Green This is the Powers on Sports podcast. Welcome back to another edition of the Powers on Sports podcast. I'm Jason. It's a Thanksgiving week edition of the podcast we got a great episode for you tonight we are going to talk to kansas city uh sports radio personality tyler jones we're going to talk about the chiefs we're going to talk about some big the chiefs buccaneers showdown this sunday in tampa we're going to talk big 12 football we're going to talk kansas basketball as we head into the start of the college basketball season after our interview with Tyler, we are going to I'll give you some thoughts on the NFL and college football weekends as well. I'll give you some picks. We got plenty of news to go over in both college and the NFL. But before we get to Tyler, I want to mention our sponsors of the podcast. First off, thanks for checking us out. Make sure you tell your fantasy football colleagues, your other sports colleagues about us that they can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora. So again, definitely uh, share the word, share the knowledge about what you're hearing on the podcast. Hopefully you're liking what you're hearing. You can reach out to me at Sports on Twitter. Give me some feedback, what you like, what you don't like. Do you like our intro? Do you like our interviews? Do you like how we're doing things? If not, let me know that too so we can make some changes for you. All right, let's mention a couple of our sponsors for the podcast. First off, Titan Home Lending. If you are anywhere in the state of Florida and you're looking to purchase a home, refinance a home, uh, renovate your home, we can help you at Titan Home Lending. Anywhere in the state of Florida, interest rates are at tremendous levels right now. Many times you can get below 3% on a house purchase, even on a refi. So reach out to Titan Home Lending, area code 205-790-1404 for all of your home lending needs. Also, Ultimate Health Plans. If you're looking for Medicare coverage, Ultimate Health Plans is the place and the plan for you. Patrick Highland can help anybody in the state of Florida as well. You can read Patrick at... 813-966-1052. Again, Patrick Highland will be able to help you with your Medicare plans for your, whether it's for your parents, for your mom and dad, for your step parents, friends, ultimate health plans. Reach out to Patrick Highland at 813-966-1052. All right, we'll be right back with Tyler Jones, Kansas City sportscaster, to talk all things Chiefs, Bucks, and all things Big 12. We'll see you in just a second. All right, welcome back to the Powers on Sports podcast. 
Hope everybody's going to have a great Thanksgiving weekend with their families and such. I'm very excited. We're going to bring Tyler Jones in. Tyler is the host at KLWN Radio in Lawrence, Kansas, in the Kansas City area. He hosts the morning show there. He also hosts the Jones Report podcast Mondays and Thursdays. You can catch Tyler on his Twitter handle at Tyler Jones Live. So, Tyler, appreciate you joining the podcast and welcome. Hey, Jason. Thanks for having me, man. Hope that you and everybody out there has a great Thanksgiving, man. Uh, glad to be here. All right, Todd, before we get to the sports, talk to me about what's your favorite Thanksgiving meal, part of the meal. What do you enjoy most about Thanksgiving dinner? Man, uh, Thanksgiving, there's so many ways that you can go with this. Uh, but but I got to say that when I'm starting out my Thanksgiving food, it's so important to have the right sides. You got to have mashed potatoes in not even gravy. You just need in some thick butter uh, is the way I go. I'm with um, you on that. I like that too. Get me some, uh, you know, broccoli rice casseroles, green bean casserole. Um, you know, make sure that we have plenty of good rolls. That's key. Dessert. Um, you don't need just pie. Everybody loves to talk about the pies out there. Why, why not get me a cheesecake? Uh, or, or something like that. You know what I mean? There's, there's a lot of ways you can go. I'm not a traditionalist in any sense of the word. I believe we're having chicken fried steak on Thanksgiving. We don't have That's to good. have turkey. All That's right. fine with me. I can go get turkey as lunch meat at the, at the deli. You know, I, I don't need a big old turkey. So uh, that, that's my plan of action is we'll, we'll stuff ourselves, but we'll eat what we want. It doesn't have to be turkey. I got you. I got you. I hear you. I hear you. So you growing up, was Thanksgiving football, was that always kind of a part of your day and part of your, you know, sports fandom as, as, a, as a little kid and a young adult, now a, a, an adult? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, I, I'd grow up uh, after watching the Macy's Parade, see the Lions lose to whoever it was each year, and then <laughs> and the Cowboys game. And then later on, you know, in life, we got that uh, that late game on, uh, you know, NFL Network and then moved over to NBC and so right. Yeah. I mean, that's been uh, quite the tradition. And this year, uh, you know, I, I don't have to watch all that Lions Texans game, thankfully, that I get to see KU play Gonzaga right. at uh, 1230 Central Time. That's going to be a heck of a ball game. Great way to start out the year for KU and and uh, great for us for our local coverage, too. So that's going to be how uh, things roll for me. It should be a fun day on uh, Thanksgiving with uh, some great sports action all around, not just in the NFL. Absolutely. We're going, to, we're going to talk about with Tyler about the start of the college basketball season basically on Wednesday uh, here. And I know KU start kicks off on Thursday on Thanksgiving Day. They're up in South Dakota at the uh, – correct? They're playing up in South Dakota, correct? No, they're, uh, they're actually in Fort Myers in the uh, Fort Myers tip-off class. I got you. I'm actually – because I'm actually doing – there's a, the, uh, I'm actually doing a women's tournament up in South Dakota. They're, they're, they're okay. kicking off Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and I'm going to be doing some broadcasting for the women's tournament here from the house so uh gonzaga women are actually in the women's tournament i'm doing i know and obviously ku's playing the gonzaga men so should be nice. a great, uh, little weekend of activity all over the country for college basketball absolutely yeah uh i i love these these tournaments and even with covid and everything the fact that we can still pull these off is uh fantastic great way to get the year started uh um, I've always thought that college basketball started too early, even in normal circumstances. I'd like to see college basketball start. Maybe it's Thanksgiving, maybe it's December, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, 
you know, first of January, something like that. Nobody outside of major college basketball markets like your Lawrence's and Chapel Hills and Correct. and such are even paying attention to college basketball till after, you know, the Super Bowl. So um, I, I think this actually should bode well for college basketball to have this Thanksgiving tip off of sorts. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree. All right, let's get to the can the world champion Kansas City Chiefs. They are coming to Raymond James Stadium Sunday afternoon. The Bucks coming off of a Monday night loss, kind of a tough loss, tough finish for Tom Brady and company. The Chiefs coming off a dramatic win Sunday night in Las Vegas. Another Mahomes, you know, game-winning drive there at the end. Uh, just, just classic Patrick Mahomes. Give me your thoughts on the Chiefs going into just overall their season to date and kind of what you think and how you see them moving forward. Well, this Chiefs team stands at nine and one right now heading into this game. And I think you got to be feeling really good about where this Chiefs team is at. And even the things that you can point to, the holes, if you want to call them that, even are very minor of sorts. They're not that big of a deal when you zoom out and look at the big picture with this team. You know, the, the problems that they deal with, the offensive line's been banged up, but you know you're going to get better when Mitchell Schwartz and some of those other guys come back. The secondary has not been good, but Tyron Matthew was out last week. You've been you've never had your top three corners all play the same game all year. Right. Um, defensive line wasn't great last week. Again, short some guys. So this team, if they could just get healthy, whether it's getting guys off the COVID list or, you know, avoiding injuries and such. If all this comes together, you think this team's dangerous now. Just wait. The best football is still ahead for this Kansas City Chiefs team. I think that Andy Reid, in his play calling, and what we've seen out of the playbook, is really only about 70 to 75% really of what they're capable of. I think that's the difference between this Chiefs team and, let's say, the first place Pittsburgh Steelers, who are 10-0. I feel like the Steelers watch them play. They're laying everything out in the line. We're seeing all that they got each week. They're doing everything they can for that 10 and 0 record. And, you know, Mike Tomlin is laying everything out there. Andy Reid, not the case. I, I don't think we've seen even close to what this team is capable of when it comes to just um, you know, the, the playbook and the stuff that they're rolling out. You know, some of these things, I, I believe they have some things up there. Uh, behind them that uh, that they're holding back a bit here. When, when it comes to this game against the Buccaneers, where I look at the difference between the Chiefs and the Bucs too, talent-wise, the Bucs are as talented of a team as about anybody in the National Football League. That receiving core, um, you know, is just just great with with uh, those guys that they have there with uh, Evans, Godwin, Evan, Godwin, Brown, Brown Gronk, all those guys. Yep. I mean – you could put them toe for toe. I mean, on paper, they sound better than the Chiefs receiving core, which sounds crazy to say, but it's true. But here's the difference where the Chiefs are at compared to the Bucks are at right now. The Chiefs are a well-oiled machine. I feel like that the Chiefs, with them holding something back, that you know they, they have it ready to go. It's just a matter of when they need to really push through and show, show something there. The Bucs are still trying to find themselves right now. Right, They're still... Right trying to adapt to learn Bruce Arians system for whatever Bruce Arians is trying to force Tom Brady to throw a deep ball, which doesn't make any sense, not playing to each other's strengths. They're still trying to figure out themselves. And I think in this pandemic year, that was going to be an issue no matter what with uh, the Bucs, with the new personnel they brought in. 
seems like they're still bringing in new guys every week. One <laughs> week it's Fournette, another week it's Antonio Brown. I'm right. like, hold on here. He's still got to catch up a little bit here. So I think that Bucks team is going to be fine, but they still have a ways to go. The Chiefs, if the playoffs started today, they, they would say, all right, let's buckle up. Let's bear down and go right now. I, um, you know, the one cons- – you know, one thing I've been really impressed with the Chiefs over the course of the season is they've been able to play different ways. Everybody thinks of the Chiefs of a high-flying, throw it 40 yards down the field offense. Sunday, if you watch the game, Mahomes completed probably 15 to 20 passes, 10 yards and under. Not afraid to throw the five-yard short ball to Tyreek Hill. Not afraid to throw it out of the backfield to, to uh, Edwards Hilaire. I, that's the thing I like about the Chiefs. And obviously with Kansas City, you have the ultimate elixir in Patrick Mahomes. He can get out of – he's mobile enough to get out of trouble, and yet he's got the arm strength and the knowledge to be able to re- read what the defenses are doing, and he's got the play caller who knows how to call the game based on what's going on defensively. Oh, no question about it. Look at the way the Chiefs have won in 2020. That opening week against the Texans, it was the short passing game, kind of similar to the Raider game there, and people are like, huh? Short passing game? When, when's this team <laughs> done that? But it Edwards, Edwards Hilaire ran for about 140 yards opening night, something like right. that. Uh, the, the game against the Bills, they ran for more yards than they ever have since Andy Reid's been the head coach of the Chiefs, more yep. rushing attempts. The Ravens game, they unleashed a whole lot of things that we had never seen before. They're doing a really good job game planning, taking this thing day by day and you know, waiting for some things to work. Um, trying some things on different opponents. They're doing a really good job of scouting who they play. And they are taking things up a notch when they do play a better opponent of sorts. I say this team is playing about 70 to 75% what they're capable of, but they push that up a bit when they play an elite football team. When we've seen them play the Bills, the Ravens, the the Raiders this last right. week, uh, some of these others, then they step it up a bit. I would expect them to have something a little extra for the Bucs that we haven't seen so far in 2020. I don't know if they're going to be, you know, looking to the deep ball or the short passing game, or if they're going to be run heavy, whatever the weakness that they feel the Bucks best presents, they're going to attack that. It will be very interesting to see what Todd Bowles and company does defensively. Bowles is known as a blitzer, but obviously with Mahomes and company, blitzing can be deadly in a hurry if you're not careful. So it'll be very interesting to see the game plan, that Bulls and Arians come up with defensively against Mahomes. And for me, offensively, I think the one, obviously the weakness to me for the Chiefs is defensively. I think it's been shown that the Raiders did a really good job in their two meetings of methodically moving the ball down the field, use the clock. I, again, time of possession is going to be a key thing. I think the Buccaneers may adopt that type of philosophy going into this week to try to limit the possessions for Mahomes. But you really have you have to score touchdowns against Kansas City. That's the key too. Kicking field goals again. You saw Gruden kick a field goal Sunday night, which really hurt them. You know they they scored a little too early late in the game against uh, KC and left them too much time. So the game plan from Arians and company again, like you said, let Tom Brady throw the short balls. Tom does not need to be throwing thirty yard balls down the field because that's not oh. the him, their team, and that's going to play into Kansas City's uh, defensive mindset. Well, and, and I would add to that, too, is that it's not even necessarily an age thing with Brady. Brady's no. never been a deep throw, no. throw passer. Um, you know, I, I would expect that the Chiefs are going to do what they can to maybe disguise some things and try to bait the Bucks into throwing the ball down the field of some sorts. That's at least what I would try to do if I was 
uh, Steve Spagnuolo uh, right. in that defensive side of the ball. I think that would be a big key. If they could find a way to do that, that would be, uh, I think, their best point of action. But Tom Brady has no business throwing the ball 40 times either. Establish the run. That's right. the weakness of this Chiefs. The biggest weakness of the Chiefs defense is stopping the run. They're 31st in the league when it comes to run defense. Right. And if Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette can have a big day, if they can wear out clock and play ball control football, the Bucs certainly have a good shot. But that's what they got to do first. And it seems like the Bucs have gotten away from the run here uh, the right. last couple of weeks, too. It's weird with the Bucs. They, you know, two, uh, last week, a week ago at Carolina, Jones runs for almost 200 yards. This week, they only give him like 10 attempts. So I, like you said, the game plan of Arians and Byron Leftwich has been confusing at times. And again, make let Tom Brady do what he's good at, which is right. three-step, five-step <laughs> drops, get the ball out of his hands. And I think, that, again, I think they'll get back to that Sunday. The Kansas City pass rush is not great. The front four is not a, you know, Frank Clark's a good player. Jones is a good, but they've not had consistent pressure from what I've seen. So I think, I think, which, I think, which I think is we're in for a great game. It's unlike them, too. The Chiefs the last two years have led the league in sacks. Yep. And the, the way that they've set up this Chiefs defense with Brett Veach as general manager is, you know, they're not spending money on these top cornerbacks. They've right. let, uh, you know, uh, Marcus Peters and Kendall Fuller and some of these other guys go. Uh, we, we've seen that since uh, Veach has been there. He hasn't signed a free agent cornerback to a deal longer than one year. Right. And basically the way that they've set this up is, Hey, we're going to win with the front four. And you know, the front seven is going to be the pass rush. That's going to bail out the secondary. Right. And essentially, well, you saw last week, there was no sacks. There was no bailout to happen. And what do you know? The secondary had one of their worst games of the season. So the chiefs right. in order to be effective, uh, have to win up front to got to get pressure on Tom Brady. And I think if you're the chiefs, I would watch that every minute of that Rams game over and over and over again, because the Rams, uh, they showed exactly what you need to do to Tom Brady and that Bucks team when it comes to getting pressure and, and uh, you know, uh, how to attack that, that uh, Bucks offense in that way. I th again, I think we're in for a great game late Saturday, late Sunday afternoon, four four twenty-five here at Raymond James stadium. Give me a quick prediction. What do you think? I think the Chiefs win here. Uh, I think it's a very close competitive football game, but ultimately the Chiefs are going to be a bit too much. Uh, I like them to take care of business. Give me the Chiefs 34-27 over Tampa on uh, on Sunday. Uh, I'm with you. I, I, obviously, I, I, I have a feeling Brady's going to – he typically doesn't have two bad games, and he didn't have a terrible game Monday night, but the couple interceptions late weren't great. I do think the, the Bucs are going to, like you said, get back to the running game. And I think you're going to see, again, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I'm going to, I'm going to go Bucks 34-30. I think it's going to okay. be a shootout. I think Brady's going to deliver late in the game. And I think the defense will make one play. Again, I, th I think it's going to be a great game. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yep. All right, let's get to, let's get to the, real quick on the Big 12 football. Give me a Big 12 synopsis. We're getting to the end here. Has um, I know Iowa State, Texas, Oklahoma are kind of the three teams in the mix, seems like. Give me your quick thoughts on the Big 12 football-wise. Well, the Big 12 has always run through the Oklahoma Sooners. And even when they got off to a rough start this year, losing those first two Big 12 conference games to K-State and Iowa State, you still had a feeling, hey, this team's still close. They're going to figure it out. They're just so young. Spencer Rattler has emerged – uh, to turn into one of the best young quarterbacks in football. 
Uh, you know, they got a couple of players back from suspension, Ronnie Perkins yep. on defense, Stevenson at running back, and that's made all the difference in this Oklahoma team. I would not want to face Oklahoma if I was anybody in college football right now. They are starting to get hot uh, here towards the end of the season. Their two losses earlier in the year is going to keep them and any Big 12 team out of the playoff right, at this point. Right. Uh, but they are certainly improved at this point. They're the team to beat. Oklahoma State really hit a wall. Um, their offense is not what we are accustomed to. Oklahoma State, you know, for years called themselves the best offense in the world. They've been far from that. They have the <laughs> weapons, but they just haven't put up the points this year. Yep. Texas doesn't have much help beyond Sam Ellinger. He's having to win these games by himself. Iowa State, um, kind of surprising how much talent that Iowa State team has. Iowa State's playing Texas this week, and I was saying on the uh, Jones report this week that. Iowa State actually has more talent than Texas does. I like their quarterback, uh, you know, Brock Purdy. I like him better than I do Ellinger. Brees Hall is a Heisman candidate. He's going to be a good running back in the NFL. Charlie Kolar, that tight end spot's phenomenal. He'll play in the National Football League as well. Um, you know, there's, I, I look at you know, Oklahoma, Iowa State, you know, Texas, Oklahoma State. That's kind of your top four. And OU and Iowa State, I think, have separated themselves yeah, I agree. from the rest of the pack uh, at this point. I like OU to win the league, but I don't think I don't think Iowa State's far behind. Matt Campbell's a hell of a coach at Iowa State, and I, I I would be shocked if he doesn't have a humongous job. I mean, I know he just signed an extension and all that, but it would not shock me if one of these big blue blood, blood programs comes after Matt Campbell or an NFL team. He reminds me a lot of Matt Rule, who was at Baylor who went to the NFL. I could see Matt Campbell being in the NFL at some point in the near future. Yeah. Wow. His name's come up for some NFL jobs. He actually turned down the Jets job a couple of years ago, probably a good call on his part. Um, but yeah, his name will certainly be out there. If he wants a big job, he can take it. They're already talking about him for Nebraska. I want to touch Nebraska personally with <laughs> 10 foot pole. Um, but I, I think what he's smart about as far as waiting goes is that you know, the don't just take a job to have a job, find right. the right job. And I think that's exactly what Matt Campbell's looking for. He's not going to be at Iowa State forever. He just knows that he's got to find the right fit, you know, with all the right personnel and those that uh, know how to win. It's sometimes more than just the head coach, too. And I think that's what he has in mind. What do you think? Is Tom Herman in trouble? You know, uh, we thought so at the beginning of the season, the way things are going. Now, all of a sudden, they're at what? Five and two, you win this week against Iowa State. If you if they get that done, um, the way the rest of their schedule plays out, I don't know how Tom Herman doesn't stay at this point. Right, buyouts somewhere around seventeen to eighteen million dollars here. Um, I don't think Tom Herman's that great of a coach, but with as high as that buyout is, even Texas, everybody's hit and struggling one way or the other in this pandemic. Uh, I think that you know, Texas has to give Tom Herman a, another year if for anything, just the way the numbers shape out here. Um, I, I expect Tom Herman to be back, but he's going to be on thin ice in uh, 2021. Getting back to your heart of the country. How, give me a, give me a sense of the Les Miles experiment. How's that going? Is, is the, is the university happy with, uh, I, I know the, the results on the field haven't been great, but is, are they happy with the progress of him being the leader of the, of the organization? Well, there's, there's a few things to dissect there. And one of those being is that we all knew even before the pandemic and before Les even took the job 
just the way that the roster was shaping out year two was going to be the toughest of the Les Miles era. Uh, just the, the way that uh, numbers worked out when it came to uh, seniors and, and guys on the roster, year two was right. going to be the toughest. What's disappointing with this Kansas team in 2020, no one expected this team to be bowl eligible or something like that, but you wanted to see this team compete. We all knew it was going to be tough when you took away non-conference games. And then the one non-conference game you played happened to be a pretty dang good Coastal Carolina team. Yeah, It's right. now undefeated right in the top 25. I mean, like, come on. Schedule's been brutal for Kansas right. uh, to find those wins in 2020. But what you do like as far as building for the future and going forward is the recruiting class coming in is the best that KU's had in a long time, maybe ever. And that's all a byproduct of Les Miles and his staff. They really uh, reaffirmed they were going to win the recruiting in Kansas City and in Missouri and Kansas. Refocus on winning at home first and then nationally recruit from there. And we weren't seeing that from the previous regimes. David Beatty was trying to win in Texas first. Texas is nice, but you still got to take the product that's in front of you. So that's what Les Miles and company have really tried to reestablish. And so – um, this year was going to be tough no matter what. Year three is going to be the real test to see where this program's at. And, and the other thing, too, is you've developed a quarterback, uh, Jalen Daniels. Uh, you know, he's, as a true freshman, has looked fine. Uh, he's certainly going to be the future for this Kansas team with that quarterback position. Uh, the years previous, uh, when you go all the way back to Mark Mangino with Todd Raising, right. there was a gap there. There was no good quarterback play. And you had good quarterbacks, but you couldn't develop them. Ryan Willis and Montel Cozart went to other places and turned into good quarterbacks. It's just bad coaching for them. Now Carter Stanley, last year as a senior, has a career year. Now Jalen Daniels starting to merge. Um, credit to Les Miles and his staff for being able to do what the last you know two, three coaches haven't been able to do, and that's actually develop quarterbacks. That's a positive sign. Do you think this – do you think with Les – last question on Les, do you think this Les under – is willing to, to ride it out five, six years if it takes that long to kind of turn things around, especially from a recruiting perspective? Is he in it for the long haul at Kansas? I think he's in it for as long as Kansas wants him in it. Uh, he is older in right. age, uh, right. in his late 60s at this point, but right. uh, I think he's committed to making this thing work. The, the way that he's running things, he's leaving a lot of up to the assistants to control the day-to-day -day operation with his focus on recruiting, playing that CEO role. And as long as it works, then I don't see any reason why that he would not want to. Um, but he did just actually fire his offensive line coach this past week. Uh, they were supposed to play on Saturday, get canceled for COVID, and he went ahead and fires his own line coach on Friday. So um, it, it seems like that he's committed to excellence of, you know, hey, you're not going to you – know, the, the stuff we do – if it doesn't work, we're not going to let that fly and make some changes. I got you. All right, let's get to the sport that, that everybody in Lawrence talks about 365 days a year. That's KU Hoops. Give me a little preview on KU Hoops. I know they, they're highly ranked going into this year. What is the – give me – first of all, before we get to the team, what's the status of the investigation? I know the Adidas investigation's kind of been hanging over the program for a couple of years. Kind of what's the latest on that and moving forward? So right now with the Adidas situation, everybody's kind of just wait and see approach at this point. The investigation itself has all been completed. Now they are waiting on the independent counsel to make their decision and decide where this thing is going to go from here. It's all out of their control. 
they're getting their lawyers up ready for, uh, you know, to, to take this further if they need to. But the feeling is it's not going to be good. Um, you know, you're talking about five level one violations. That's pretty serious stuff. Yep. You know, Oklahoma State had one violation and lost their rights to go to the postseason uh, this uh, this upcoming year. And if that happened for one, what's going to happen for five? I think, though, that they liked that they went with the independent council route, which is a new thing, as opposed to letting the NCAA and fractions committee make the uh, punishment decision. They're hoping that things are more reasonable coming from this independent council, but uh, we'll just kind of wait and see what happens at this point. No one really knows, and no one knows the timetable here uh, at this point of how long it's going to take before we actually see a ruling here. You'd like uh, for this Kansas team to have something figured out uh, before uh, you know, postseason play comes around. You would hate to figure out uh, that, you know, as you're getting towards the end, oh, all of a sudden you can't play in the postseason. They would like to find this out sooner rather than later, but we don't know. Yeah, Bill Self, just from the outside here, Bill Self has seemed to be very defiant in that he's done nothing wrong and that there's been no kind of wrongdoing. So it'll be very to see what happens. Well, and and it, one, more point, down. one more point on that, Jason, is uh, that in this whole process, with agreeing to go to the independent council, there is no appeal. You uh, cannot appeal anything. So if KU doesn't like what they are handed here, it's going to have to be straight up legal action uh, taken if they want to go any steps further. And based on what I've been told, KU has their lawyers ready to go. They're, they're <laughs> ready to turn this into a legal fight if they need to. I got you. I got you. All right, let's get, let's get on the court. Give me a little preview of, give me a little bit preview of KU hoops as we head to 20, this, 2020. This uh, Kansas team is uh, really good. Uh, they, they lose uh, two Fantastic All-Americans in uh, Udoka Azubuki and Devon Dotson. Uh, Azubuki got picked in the first round by the Jazz. Dotson ends up going to his hometown Bulls as an undrafted free agent. And normally, for most programs, that'd be a big red flag of trying to rebuild after losing players of that caliber. But this Kansas team is still really deep. They, they go about eight or nine guys that they'll rotate uh, this upcoming year. Uh, you know, big guard presence. Uh, but Bill Self says he's still committed to running the offense through the big man, whether that's uh, David McCormick, who was a former McDonald's All-American, or Mitch Lightfoot, who's uh, uh, been there, it seems like, for, for several years now. They're going to start with their bigs. But the offense, I think after they lost to Villanova in that Final Four several years ago when Villanova shot all those threes uh, and went on to win the championship, they, they figure out, okay, we, we got to change something else. We got to you know really – uh, make three-point shooting an emphasis of sorts. And so uh, KU's going to run a four-guard lineup. And wow. this will be the third or fourth year that they've done that. Bill Self had never run a four-guard lineup prior to that. He was he did it because he was forced to several years ago and kind of just stuck with it. It's been the best way this offense has worked uh, since then. you got a five-star kid, Bryce Thompson, that's expected to have a big year. He's from my hometown of Tulsa, so certainly some excitement there. Uh, Bryce, his dad, Rod, played for Bill back in the day at the University of Tulsa. And uh, so that's a cool story on that front. Ochai Baji, a Kansas City kid, he's expected to have a big year. They got some talent on this team. just a matter if they can put it all together. And when you look at it, too, they're not, not even the favorites in the Big 12. And that's right. not a knock on them. It's just how good Baylor looks. Baylor last year uh, was right up there with KU and brings everybody back. Right. And, 
uh, you know, some people think they're the best team in the country. So uh, I think that this big 12 conference, you have Baylor and KU are both national title contenders Loaded. and everyone else is playing for third place at this point. I think KU is going to have their hands full just dealing with Baylor along. Yeah. I've, you know, and I'm just pre- previewing the big 12. I know a lot of people think Texas is going to be improved. I think Oklahoma state has a big time freshman Cade Cunningham coming in at Oak state. So lots of, lots, Lots of people think the Big 12 might be the best conference in the country in college hoops this year. Yeah. Well, they've been the best country conference in uh, college basketball, it seems, for the last several years now. Uh, you, you think about the Big 12, once you get past OU and Texas football, you think about how good the basketball's been in this league. Uh, with Texas Tech going to the Final Four a couple of years ago, I think Texas Tech's going to be improved. They showed some good signs towards the end of last year that – uh, that Chris Beard and company are not going anywhere. They're here to stay. Texas should be improved. Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, um, Iowa State's going to be better. Yep. I don't expect much from TCU or K-State. Uh, West Virginia should be better than they were a year ago, too. I think realistically, um, you could have seven teams from the Big 12 make the big dance, and that not be a stretch here. Uh, you might have even eight teams competing for the big dance. Uh, it's going to be tough. And something to think about, too, when it comes to KU is, they're, they're so used to that home court advantage at Allen Fieldhouse with the crowd and the influence it has on officiating and such. And what we've seen in football is that you take away the crowd, the officiating gets better. It's more fair, <laughs> more down the line. I think that not only with no fans for now at Allen Fieldhouse does that affect just the atmosphere, but officiating isn't going to be as one-sided as it typically is. Kansas fans don't want to admit that, but that's true. And so I think that that in its loan in its own self is going to be tougher to win it at home. And it's almost a given for KU to win at home. Now it's uh, going to be tougher than ever to get those home wins. I was just going to ask you about the, about the fan, the fan attendance at KU. So no fans to start with, correct? That's the no plan. fans for now. Um, as a COVID cases in Douglas County where Lawrence is, has cert- as uh, uh, has jumped up a bit in the last about three or four weeks. So for now in all KU sports, there's no fans for the moment, but the original plan was, and they'll go back to it if they see numbers go down, is to have about 1,500 fans at Allen Fieldhouse, which uh, is not even close to the normal of 16-5, what we are uh, typically used to seeing. Give, give the fan, give the, pe- the listeners, our, our audience, an op- a, a sense of what is Fog Allen Fieldhouse like during a big game, on a big Monday or a big showdown game in the Big 12 or a big game against a Kentucky or North Carolina. Give the fans and the listeners a sense of what that atmosphere is like. It's magical. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, you just step in there and you're in awe. You know, the Mecca of college basketball, it's loud all night long. um, And, you know, everybody's into it. I mean, it's, there's just something special about that place. It's really hard to put into words. They, I was there when they broke the record for the loudest arena in the country and you know that was uh in the world actually that was so special <laughs> to see them do that and you, you have all the banners and then if, if you're just a basketball historian some of the best stuff about Allen Fieldhouse isn't even in the you know arena itself outside of there you have not one but two different museums dedicated to uh KU and the history of college basketball James Naismith's original rules are on display and it's one of the coolest things I've seen. You can see all 10 rules that he wrote for the game of basketball. It looks like the 10 commandments almost. Wilt, um, Wilt, Wilt Chamberlain in the house. Wilt Chamberlain. Oh, yeah. 
Um, just all the stuff that goes on there. I mean, it, it is a special place. Every college basketball fan needs to make a point to go to Allen Fieldhouse. All right, Tyler. Well, I appreciate the time, man. I know you're going to enjoy your mashed potatoes, your chicken fried steak, your desserts <laughs> tomorrow. We really appreciate you joining the Powers on Sports podcast. You can remember, catch Tyler on his Jones Report podcast Mondays and Thursdays. Catch him. You can catch him online, KLWN Radio, the morning show, five days a week. I know Tyler does broadcasts all over the Kansas City area, high school football throughout the year and all that stuff. I see stuff on his, uh, his social media accounts. And also catch Tyler at Twitter, at Tyler Jones Live. Very much appreciate your time, Tyler. Have a great Thanksgiving, and go Bucks, man. Hey, uh, appreciate the time, Jason. Thanks for joining. Uh, thanks for having me, and uh, we'd love to do it again uh, anytime, brother. All right. I appreciate it, Tyler. Have a great day, man. Okay, we are back, and we really want to thank Tyler Jones again for his quality insight on the Kansas City Chiefs, Big 12 football, Big 12 basketball. Tyler is an expert and a uh, very dialed in in the Kansas City, Lawrence, Kansas area in Big 12 country. So, again, thank you, Tyler, for joining the podcast. But let's get to some college football notes as we head into the home stretch of the, of the regular season of the college football season. Before we get to the college football rankings, I want to talk first about this Clemson-Florida State cancellation last Saturday in Tallahassee. What I did not like one bit, and I got, and I have to preface this by saying I'm a, I'm a Florida State guy. As you guys know, I played at Florida State. I went to Florida State for a while. Um, I am a big supporter and big fan of Florida State football and, and athletics. But what they did last Saturday at Clemson or at home to Clemson, who had already traveled to Tallahassee, uh, the game was scheduled for a 12 o'clock kickoff, and at 9 a.m., the game was canceled. Um, I don't like what they did one bit with at Florida State. Florida State kind of came out with a statement that they, they weren't comfortable and they weren't able to come to an agreement with the Clemson medical team about how to handle one of Clemson's players who had tested positive at some point during the week. Um, I really don't like how that was handled. To me, if that was the situation, it was a viable medical concern, why was that game not canceled on Friday or Thursday prior to Clemson traveling to Tallahassee and all that stuff? From all indications, Clemson followed all the ACC protocols, dealt with everything in a, in a timely manner, was very open about what was going on. And for Florida State at 9 o'clock in the morning on Saturday morning to cancel that game, to me, was not a good sign of the confidence they had. Remember, Florida State 2-6 and six coming into this game. Clemson had everything to play for based on Trevor Lawrence coming back into the lineup. Clemson obviously needing to continue to win in order to uh, sustain their uh, college football playoff hopes. And for Florida State to bail out, it was just, to me, was a Bush League move. It will ne- I, Nobody will ever admit this, but I can guarantee, in just my opinion, I think somebody from Florida State got the word out, hey, to those medical, uh, medical professionals, hey, if there's a way for us not to have to play this game today, let's, let's utilize that out and let's get out of this game because Clemson was on a mission. Lawrence was back. 
There was going to be an ugly, it was going to probably most likely be an ugly performance by Florida State at home on national TV. They were already two and six, and another 50 point beatdown by Clemson in Tallahassee would not do anything, anything positive for that Florida State program moving forward into recruiting and all that good stuff. Um, you know, Clemson has offered to play the game on Sunday, offered to play the game on Monday after it was resolved. And they could never come to a resolution. I just do not like what Florida State did to Clemson and just the, the, the look it made Florida State look to me. If Florida State is six and two or seven and one and Clemson was two and six, that game would have got played. If Clemson if Florida State was in the mix for an ACC championship berth or a college football playoff berth, whether Clemson was in the mix or not, that game would have got played either Saturday, later Saturday or Sunday or Monday. Uh, being that Florida State was out of the mix, out of the contention, that was an easy out. That was a lazy, lazy move by Florida State. And the game is tentatively scheduled to be replayed in mid-December, but I don't think that game will be played December the 12th. I do not think if that game has no bearing on Clemson getting to the ACC championship game, I do not think that game will get replayed. And if it does get replayed, Mark my words, mark the tape, remember this, Florida State will get it smashed. Clemson will try to run the score up, and they will try to score as many points as they can score. Dabo Sweeney was very outspoken on Monday concerning the the position Florida State took. He did not like it one bit. He really thought that they were bailing out of the game to avoid a beating. And I can tell you this, this will not go away anytime soon. Clemson will remember this in December. They will remember this in 2021 and 2000 and beyond. This will be a bad look for Florida State when they do end up playing Clemson. All right, let's get to some notes about the upcoming this week in the college football schedule. If you didn't hear, Nick Saban tested positive for COVID. He will not coach in the Alabama-Auburn game this weekend in Tuscaloosa. want to give a shout-out to my man T.J. Reeves, who will be calling the game on the Compass Media Networks in Tuscaloosa. So enjoy you, TJ, some Birmingham. Hopefully you'll get to enjoy some Jim and Nick's barbecue, maybe a little uh, maybe a little dreamland, but have a great time in Tuscaloosa. It'd be a fun, if you've never, those of you that have never been for that rivalry game, it's the state of Alabama will shut down for four hours on Saturday when Alabama and Auburn plays. Literally, there are nobody in the streets in Birmingham, Alabama, and throughout that state when during those four hours. Um, I've been there many, many years during the, the Iron Bowl. And again, that city, commerce, everything shuts down. If you're not in a sports bar or sitting in your home watching that game, nothing else is going on. The rest, the, the, the streets are empty. Offices are empty. People manage their whole year around that date in that game. No weddings, no uh, parties. No, no non-football related uh, activities will be going on. I promise it uh, during that uh, four-hour period on Saturday in Tuscaloosa. So Alabama, a big favorite going into the game, uh, but uh, no Nick Saban as we head into the Iron Bowl. 
Quick little note out of Vanderbilt, Nashville, Tennessee. It looks like Vandy may be using for the first time ever in a Power 5 game. Vanderbilt, due to some quarantine issues and some COVID issues, they are reaching out to their women's soccer program and going to bring a young lady in to most likely do the kicking for the extra points and short field goals for Vanderbilt football on Saturday. History in the making in Nashville for Derek Mason and company. Good for him for reaching out and being creative and thinking out, out outside the box to do that. So good for him to do that. And hopefully, sounds like uh, the young lady's going to be the kicker on Saturday. When Vanderbilt is, give me a second here, I'll find out who Vandy's got. Do-do-do-do. Vanderbilt is playing. I know it's a home game. We've got Vandy. Da-da-da-da. Come on, where are you at on the ledger here? I, for some reason, cannot find Vanderbilt. But I promise you, Vanderbilt is playing this Saturday. Uh, But again, great job by Derek Mason, and good luck to the young lady who's going to be your kicker, kicking extra points and field goals for Vanderbilt. All right, college football playoff rankings. First ranking came out this week by the playoff committee. Alabama 1, Notre Dame 2, Clemson 3, Ohio State 4, A&M 5, Florida 6, Cincy number 7. And the other kind of big big team is everybody was wondering about BYU. They are number 14. There's been some speculation that potentially BYU and Cincinnati could play each other on December 5th. Both teams have a bye week. That would be good, in my opinion, for both teams to do that if they can swing it. They need to play, whether it's at a neutral side or one of the two teams' home field, they need to giddy up and get it on because both those teams need another big win on their resume to boost their playoff hopes. Cincinnati's most likely not going to jump Florida and A&M and Ohio State to get to number four with, with what they have on their current resume. So as far as the rankings go, not a big surprise. Um, Clemson at three. Clemson and Notre Dame most likely are headed to a uh, ACC showdown for round two of that matchup. Obviously, if Alabama were to lose to Florida or Auburn here, that would hurt their hopes tremendously. But you could also have an Alabama-Florida showdown in the SEC title game. The the interesting team here is Texas A&M. If Texas A&M runs the table, they'll have one loss. They'll have beaten Florida but they will not be in the SEC title game. So they would be then hoping for an Alabama uh, loss. No, I'm sorry, a, Florida, a second Florida loss, and they would need some help out of Ohio State most likely to lose a game to be out. Um, Ohio State, very good game last week against Indiana, 142-35. They have looking like they are going to see maybe a Northwestern In the Big Ten championship game, I do not think Northwestern can keep up with Ohio State in a championship-type setting. So Ohio State has a pretty good road to hoe to to, to get to another uh, opportunity, to another undefeated season. Ohio State's issue is you have to play six games in order to make the Big Ten championship. So we cannot have any more games getting canceled. If If you don't get six games, you don't qualify for the Big Ten title, uh, title game. And again... Will be interesting to see as we move down the road. How do these teams get evaluated that have different numbers of games? If Ohio State only plays six or seven games, let's say Florida plays ten games, Texas A&M plays ten games. How do those matchups and those records and resumes match up with an uneven number of games? 
But week one of the CFP rankings, Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State. This week's games, how do those how do those rankings get affected? The biggest game of the day is probably Friday in Chapel Hill, where Notre Dame heads to Chapel Hill to see Mac Brown and the Tar Heels. A very interesting game here. Uh, Carolina's ranked in the top 25, uh, but Notre Dame comes to town at number two. High-powered offense for the Tar Heels, Sam Howell at quarterback. Notre Dame's very high-powered, very good defense. Their offensive and defensive lines are good, though Notre Dame is missing a couple of offensive linemen in this game. But I do think Notre Dame will find a way to get it done. North Carolina's defense is very, very porous. They were getting, they were down multiple touchdowns last week to Wake Forest and came roaring back and won and actually covered the game against Wake Forest. But Carolina will score some points, but I think Notre Dame will outscore them. I think the Irish will figure out a way to get to an undefeated season and to the ACC title game. Again, Clemson. Uh, again, the other big matchups of the week, you have, this is not a big matchup, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. Iowa State, Texas, that's going to probably decide who's going to play Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game. Um, that's a very, very good game. Iowa State undefeated in the Big 12. Texas with one loss in the, I believe, one loss in the Big 12 as well. Maybe two losses, but the winner of that game is most likely going to be the representative in the Big 12 title game. Another interesting game, Penn State, Michigan. (laughs) The who cares game. Penn State 0-5 for the first time in program history. Harbaugh in Michigan's 2-3. They escaped last week in Piscataway in a triple overtime thriller against Rutgers. So in the the hot seat game of the week, you got Penn State going to Michigan on Saturday in Ann Arbor. And obviously you have Alabama and Auburn. Alabama, a huge favorite hosting Auburn. But in these type of rivalry games, you never know how these games unfold, especially in this Alabama-Auburn game. There have been many, many years where one team or the other was a big favorite and the other team took the game right to the wire. If you remember the historical games, the kick six game, there's been some unbelievable uh, finishes in this Alabama-Auburn series in the Iron Bowl over the years. And I do expect Alabama to win the game. But again, no Nick Saban. He can't coach. He can't communicate with his team at all while he's not uh, on the sidelines. So there won't be any communications with phone calls and all that stuff. So Sarkeesian most likely will be calling plays for Alabama. The defense will be led by the defensive coordinator. Sark will probably be in charge of game management and those type things. So those dynamics are always interesting to see how those unfold. I do expect Alabama to win the game, but Auburn's a game opponent. Uh, Patrick Nix, Gus Malzahn and company. will be interested to see how it goes in Tuscaloosa. I would not be surprised if that game is closer than the experts think. So there you have it. I like, from a pick's perspective, I like Notre Dame minus the 5.5. I would probably tease that down to Notre Dame as a pick to match them up with another team on Saturday. Um, you know... Potentially a uh, Iowa over Nebraska situation. Uh, I might even tease up Texas. Um, I think Texas is alive. Uh, that's basically Texas or Iowa State's pretty much a pick 'em. I think Texas is a very a lot of a very live team. I might even tease up Auburn to plus thirty because I really think you could see a little bit of a, an emotional boost for Auburn with no Saban on the sidelines. 
But uh, I do like Notre Dame to figure it out against North Carolina on Friday as we head into the college football home stretch of the regular season here. So still no determination of what bowl games will look like, so we'll see how that goes. Again, most of your championship games are slated for the uh, December the 19th. So again, we still got about another three weeks to go with the regular season. So there you have it with the college football picture. Let's transition quickly to the National Football League. Uh, we are in week number 12. It's amazing to think we're, this is Thanksgiving weekend already in week 12. A couple notes already coming out of heading into week 12. The Pittsburgh-Baltimore game slated for Thanksgiving night has been moved to Sunday. There's been some COVID, major COVID issues in the Baltimore Ravens organization this week, players, staffers. So that game is being moved from Thursday to Sunday. I'm a little surprised they moved the game because they, they have made some other teams play throughout the year on short notice without, without moving the schedule and relieving them of, of the issues. I know San Francisco had some issues several weeks back on a Thursday night that they did not move. Um, but Baltimore, Pittsburgh moved to Sunday, early Sunday, the 1 o'clock window. Um, tragic news coming out of Dallas. The Dallas Cowboys strength and conditioning coach, Marcus Paul, had a, has passed away at the age of 54 on Wednesday. He had a major medical emergency on Tuesday, taken to the hospital, and he did pass away earlier on, on later, mid, mid to late day, mid to later in the day on Wednesday. Just a terrible story coming out of Dallas. They do play on Thanksgiving. On Thursday, they will uh, memorialize Marcus. Marcus had been a part of five Super Bowl championship teams throughout his NFL career with the Patriots and the Giants. Everybody says the guy was a great guy, excellent at what he did professionally. Tragic news coming out of Dallas again for the uh, Marcus Paul, Dallas Cowboys strength and conditioning, head, head strength and conditioning coach, passes away on Wednesday. Uh, cause of death is not known yet. I'm sure that will come out in the next few days. Uh, if it's a major medical emergency, a sudden sudden kind of situation, uh, you probably are thinking either heart attack and or stroke of some sort, maybe an, maybe some type of uh, aneurysm type situation. But I'm sure we will find out here in the coming days what was the exact cause of death. So, uh, uh, you know, prayers to the Cowboys uh, organization. You would think they would have an emotional boost on Thursday playing their Thanksgiving Day game in honor of Marcus, but we will see. Okay, Thanksgiving games. Uh, we've gone from three games to two games. Obviously, we have the traditional Thanksgiving games in Detroit and Dallas are your headliners for Thursday. Detroit hosting the Houston Texans. Cowboys hosting the Washington Redskins. And all of a sudden, that is a game that has some major NFC East ramifications, even though both teams are 3-7. and seven. All four teams in the NFC East have three wins. Uh, with the Cowboys having a big win last Sunday in Minnesota, a, a game that I did predict here on the on the podcast last week as well as on the radio show. I predicted a Cowboys W and taking the seven. So uh, I really thought that Dalton would play well. The defense played pretty well in Minnesota. Dalton played good at quarterback. They moved the ball, ran the ball pretty well with Zeke Elliott and Dalton with three touchdown passes last week. So great job. So again, even though the records aren't good, it's not a sexy Offensive matchup with the Redskins and the Cowboys on Thanksgiving in Dallas at 425. Uh, I like the uh, Cowboys tomorrow minus the three at home. I think the 
they're playing better. I think the emotion of uh, the, the situation going on with their head and with their strength and conditioning coach will also play into that a little bit. Uh, you have the Redskins with Alex Smith getting his first victory after multiple years being out with the leg injury. They had a nice win against the Bengals last week when the the scary injury of Joe Burrow occurred. Again, terrible uh, season-ending knee injury to Burrow, so hopefully he's back this time next year. Um, be interested to see how they handle that with Cincinnati. Um, all right, let's go to the slate of games. Raiders going to Atlanta. Raiders coming off a heartbreaking loss on Sunday night at home to Kansas City. The Falcons were beaten handily at New Orleans with Taysom Hill making his first start. Uh, Raiders minus three. I like the Raiders here. I think the Raiders are just the better football team. Julio Jones is laboring. That 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 Falcon offense was very uh, subdued by the by the Saints. I like what the Raiders are doing. Derek Carr's playing great. Running game, solid passing game. Give me the Raiders in Atlanta to to take care of business. Cardinals heading to New England. Cardinals minus two and a half going to Foxborough. Cardinals coming off a bye. The Patriots coming off a disappointing loss in Houston last week. Uh, pretty much dashed any playoff hopes they potentially had left out of the division race. In my opinion, it sounds like the, I mean, you know, they're going to be playing for next year. Uh, Cam played okay. Not great last week. The defense didn't play great either. Um, tough game to call. I, I, I would like to see what the weather conditions are going to be Sunday before I make a, a call on this. If I had to lean, I would probably lean Arizona a little bit, but don't have a strong feeling on that game. Giants head to Cincinnati. Giants coming off a bye week, a win last uh, prior to the bye week. Very, a lot of confidence in New York. They've been very competitive all year. Head to Cincinnati. No Joe Burrow. Brandon Allen will start for the for the Bengals, not Ryan Finley, who came in last week as the backup. Brandon Allen was elevated off the practice squad, so that shows you the confidence they do not have in Ryan Finley. I do think the Giants will figure out a way, though this could be a close game as well. I, the Bengals have been playing hard all year for Zach Taylor. Um, again, tricky game here for the Giants. They should win the game, but the Giants have been known to uh, – these are the kind of games the Giants have been have, have have not been able to win the last couple of years. Games they're supposed to win. Lean to the Giants, not a strong lean. Cleveland goes to Jacksonville. No, uh, probably no Miles Garrett again. Mike Glennon will start for the Jags. Who? Mike Glennon? Yeah, that Mike Glennon that was with the Buccaneers with the Chicago Bears for a time. Uh, yeah, that Mike Glennon. No more Jake Luton. The Luton era, the Luton project is over. Garden Minshew still out with a thumb injury. Cleveland will win this game. We'll be competitive, but Cleveland will figure out a way to win the game. Mayfield, that running game, enough defense to get it done in Jacksonville. Carolina host going to Minnesota. The Teddy Bridgewater reunion. Looks like Teddy Bridgewater is going to play from all indications. Heading back to his old stomping grounds. No Christian McCaffrey. Philip Walker came in and did a nice job last week for Carolina to shut out the Detroit Lions, who were in disarray. Um, Minnesota, with a very demoralizing loss last week to Dallas, probably knocked them out of the, any playoff contention at four and six. Um, you know, Dalvin Kirk Cousins played really well last week. Actually, they couldn't get the running game really going, and the defense let them down late. Um, it would not shock me if, if Bridgewater plays this game, if Minnesota loses this game and Carolina wins. 
but you have to probably favor Minnesota just a little bit. But it would not shock me if this if this Carolina team gets it done. Playing very hard for Matt Rule in year one. Big game in Indianapolis. The Titans head to the, see the Colts in a showdown in the a- AFC South. Big win by the Colts last week, coming back from way back, way down to beat the Packers at home in overtime. Rivers played really well. Uh, the Titans with a big win in Baltimore over the Ravens. Again, they were down big late in the game in the, in the second half. Came down back to win that game in overtime. Derrick Henry scores in overtime to win it. So again, very very good game here in Indianapolis. I'm going to take the Colts here at home. I think the defense will be the difference here. I think Rivers is playing well enough. Jonathan Taylor started to run the ball better in the second half. So give me the Colts at home over the Titans, lay in the three and a half. It'd be, again, very competitive game, but I'll take the Titans at home. Chargers head to Buffalo. Buffalo coming off a bye. Chargers, news report there, Justin Herbert continues to play really, really well. Um, I like Buffalo at home coming off a bye to, to get it done against the Chargers. I think weather will probably be an issue as well, so give me Buffalo and the weather at home. Miami heads to New York to see the Jets. Uh, Tua did not play really well last week in Denver. Got benched late third or mid-fourth quarter. Ryan Fitzpatrick came in, almost led them back to overtime, threw an interception late in the end zone in Denver. Denver wins the game. Tua's back to being the starter, no doubt about it. I do think the Dolphins will get back on track this week in New York against the Jets. The Jets have been playing more competitively lately. Uh, Not sure if Flacco or Darnold's going to start, but they have been moving the ball at least more productively. Seven points is a lot of points, in my opinion, for the Dolphins to be laying on the road. I would stay away from a betting perspective, but I do think the Dolphins will win the game. Saints go to Denver. Again, kind of a tricky game here. Game number two of the Taysom Hill era. He played pretty well last week against Atlanta. Not great. He was good enough. He got better as the game went on. Um, ran around a little bit, threw the ball a little bit. But going to Denver, Denver's got a decent defense. Drew Locke's doing a decent job at quarterback. This is a tricky spot here for the Saints. Uh, I would love to see the Saints lose, but I, I do think they'll figure out a way to win the game. Close six points is a lot to lay on the road. I'd probably take Denver. I'd probably take Denver in the six here. Uh, but I think New Orleans will figure out a way to win the game. Possibly a teaser here if you like the Saints. 49ers head to the Rams. Rams with a very impressive win in Tampa, here in Tampa Monday night. Goff played really, really well. The receivers, Woods, Cup were, were, were dynamic. No running game for the Rams, but the Niners coming off a bye week are still decimated with injury. They are going to get some guys back. Uh, Nick Mullins will start still. Um, should be getting Mostert back at running back. Maybe getting Tevin Coleman back as well. Um, again, I think... It would not surprise me if this is a close game. Again, division rivals with Mostert back. I think the the 49ers will be able to run the ball if he's back. Uh, I do think the Rams will figure out a way to win the game late. Again, but I think this game goes down to the wire. I think Nick Mullins will play okay, though the Rams have a very, very good defense. I was very impressed with the Rams' defense, especially their secondary on Monday night in Tampa. Sunday night, Bears-Packers. In Lambeau, Green Bay, big loss, tr- uh, tough loss last week in Indianapolis. Overtime blew a 14-point lead at the half. The Bears coming off a bye. The Bears anemic on offense 
with Nick not sure who's going to start. Sounds like Trubisky might get the call to start. Sounds like Foles might still be injured. If you remember, he got carted off the field late in that game in the previous game on Thursday night. Um, no, it was not Thursday. It was a Sunday night game. They played Minnesota. Uh, Monday night game, excuse me. They played Minnesota Monday night. Foles got carted off with a hip injury. I heard of some reports today if Trubisky might play. Um, so, again, I think Green Bay will figure out a way to get it done against that tough Chicago defense. The, if you're the Chicago defense, you got to be thinking, can we? Can you get me 20 points? If we can score 20, we'd be a 7-3 and three football team. That It's just incredible how anemic the offense has been in Chicago. They've changed play callers. Nagy has given up the play calling to Bill Lazor. But they've just, they're just not dynamic on offense. They have... They really don't have any elite players on offense. Allen Robinson's good, but he's not elite. The offensive line's okay. Cannot run block for David Montgomery, who's supposed to be back. Um, I do think Green Bay will figure out a way to get it done in Lambeau. And you heard Tyler and I break down the Tampa Bay game, so uh, we won't go over that again. You heard that in the analysis that Tyler and, and I had. I like the Bucks in a big effort to come back following the Monday night game. Tyler likes the Chiefs. But I'll take the Bucks in the three and a half all day long with Tom Brady. Monday night, Philadelphia. This is an you almost want to say it's an Armageddon kind of game for Carson Wentz. He has been just disastrous in the last four or five weeks with turnovers and inefficiencies and just boneheaded plays. You got the Seahawks coming to town on a Monday night. Seahawks laying five points. Russell Wilson played a little bit better in the last game. Much more efficient against Arizona on Thursday night. Uh, you got the Eagles. Again, all kind of uh, tough tough stuff swirling around that team. Peterson, Wentz, he's having to answer questions about benching Carson Wentz. Um, but, man, Wentz has just not played well. He seems very sketchy in the pocket, very nervous in the pocket. He has no confidence in himself, no confidence in his, in his receivers. But the best thing that might be happening here is that the Seattle defense is coming to town. They are not a very good defensive football team, especially in the secondary. I think this is five points. is too many points to be given this Philadelphia team at home. The Philly defense is still pretty good. Yeah, I know Seattle's got a good offense. Chris Carson, it looks like, is going to be back in the fold for you fantasy owners. I like Philadelphia and the five points here. I don't have an opinion on the on who's going to win the game, but I really like Philadelphia in the five here. I think it's too many points on the road in Philadelphia. Again, weather could be an issue as well. I think Carson Wentz against that uh, beleaguered secondary could could produce some scoring, and I do think uh, the uh, Seattle Seahawks will score some points as well with that offense. But I like Philadelphia in the five at home Monday night. You have been listening to the Powers on Sports Podcast. Make sure you tell your friends. Subscribe, rate, and review to whichever platform you're listening to right now, whether it's Apple, Google, or Spotify, or even Pandora. Let us Give us a good rating, please. We'd love to hear from you. And let your friends know all about us, man. We, we give out good information. We got some gambling information. We give out some picks. We try to give you some good interviews. Again, Tyler Jones. We got some other great interviews lined up as we move forward through the football season as well. So thanks for listening. Have a great Thanksgiving with your family. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you next time on the Powers on Sports Podcast.